You're listening to, for the record, a Registrar's podcast sponsored by Acro. I'm Colin Gerker, and this is episode four, Performance Management in the Registrar's Office. Hello and welcome. Thanks for listening. This is For the Record, a Registrar's podcast sponsored by Acro. I'm your host, Doug McKenna, and I'm excited about today's episode focused on performance management best practices. I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with members of the talent development team here at American University's HR department, Michelle Frederick and Colin Gerker. I hope you'll find it interesting and enlightening as we discuss ways to improve your staff's performance through simple, no-cost strategies that you can begin incorporating to your management practices right away if you aren't doing them already, and extending these practices to each layer of management within your office for best results. So let's get to it. I'm here with Michelle Frederick. Colin Gerker from American University Human Resources, and we are going to talk about performance management uh, today, and specifically uh, performance management in the registrar's office as a potential thing. So introduce yourselves, give me a little background, ready, go. Um, Michelle Frederick, I am the Senior Director for Talent Development here, um, Human Resources at American University. I've been here about 18 years. I have been in the talent development field for almost 30 years. Uh, Colin Gerker, uh, Performance Management Consultant, Office of Human Resources, Talent Development Team. Um, my master's is in Human Services Administration, concentration on counseling, but then accidentally fell into working in student affairs for six years, uh, blinked, and then uh, woke up in HR. <laughs> um, so now support uh, the HR team uh, primarily with our performance appraisal process. Right on. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. I appreciate it very much. From a high-level overview, what is performance management? And how does it differ, if it differs, from, say, like an annual review process? It's thinking through that context of what is management, (laughs) what is a performance management system process strategy, how does a strategic plan fit into all of that? Um, I think historically, uh, the kind of uh, known model for performance reviews is set your goals and then a little bit of a lull for a long time and then have some sort of a performance appraisal. Some organizations will do them all at once. Some will do it you know, in the context of when you've been here for about a year. Um, that's kind of the older model. The newer model is the incorporation and the integration of what does great coaching look like in the workplace and how does that partnership between a manager and the staff member work towards uh, achieving high-level goals as well as um, being supportive of the strategic initiatives of the institution. It's not just what we're doing here, but is it, how does this fit fitting into the larger picture? Got it. Michelle, anything to add? Just to build off of that is that it's really focusing on not just a once a year conversation, but ongoing conversations that in order for us to to not just meet goals, but to just perform on a daily basis, we need to be communicating about what's good work, what's that look like, and when it's not working, how do we turn that back around? Right on. So that leads me into my sort of the obvious next question is what kind of components 
are included in performance management that may be above and beyond this annual performance review cycle? What does that look like in practice? Well, in practice, we've, what we've found is a lot of times really good managers are doing it already because they have regular conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't have to call it out as we're having a performance conversation. It could be that I'm having a weekly check-in with my staff about how are things going, what are they working on, where do they need help. That's part of it. For our purposes, for monitoring and making sure and ensuring that people have consistent experiences across the departments, across the campus, mm -hmm. we are looking at four key check-ins. Um, and there's many conversations. The first one, obviously, we do have a, a, a firm hard start and stop, which we have to in order to to, to yeah, manage it, this with the large, you know, with any kind of qualified as a year, as a yeah. year, as a cycle, but in between that, there's variations based on what the ebbs and flows of a department. So what makes mm -hmm. sense? But the four key themes is trying to carry forward. It's not just about performance. Let's say the first one really is going to be about what are our goals for this coming cycle, and it could be carryover that some goals um, um, span multiple years, yeah. and that's fine too. So what is that? But it's not just the goals. What are the expectations? What does good work look like? Mm -hmm. What we find is that a majority of staff really want to perform. They just don't know where the target is. Yeah. So this is where we have very explicit conversations saying this is what good work looks like. And if you want to get that, let's say if it's a five-point rating scale, you want that five. Here what here's what qualifies a five. Yeah. Here what qualifies a four. I think it's easier for us to figure out what the two and the one probably are, Definitely. but you still should set that bar. <laughs> you still need to set that bar so that everybody is working from the same sheet of music. Yeah. Um, and then that opens the door for some, some conversation in with supervisors because sometimes supervisors can sometimes paint themselves into a corner that what they're saying is meeting your work gives you no room for growth or no room for exceeding something. So maybe this is where that conversation to back, back down. Then the second one is really going to be around development, which is a, a focus that we're finding when high-performing organizations are really working and doing what they need to do well, their staff is really engaged and it's really around their opportunities to grow. Yeah. And that does not mean sitting in a class, does not mean that at all. It means I'm challenged in the work that I do. I have opportunities to explore different projects, different skill sets I can gain. Mm -hmm. And so the second phase, while still talking about my current performance, the second conversation will also be, okay, knowing what our goals are this year or what you're wanting to achieve, what is going to help you be successful? What things do you need to be successful? And it mm -hmm. could be... I do need a training, but it could be I want to participate in the mentoring program because I want to be preparing for future roles yeah. and what and I, those could be. I think this is a really important point because um, registrars across higher ed uh, are an older group. And so over the next um, 10, 15 years, like I've read something like 40% of the current active registrars will retire in that time. And so... Like this development and succession planning and making sure that people are 
um, coming up in the ranks and are being developed intentionally mm-hmm. to take on those roles um, mm-hmm. as the older registrars retire mm-hmm. is a really important thing. Yeah, the, it's it's preparing for the life cycle of the organization, yep. as well as again to be to 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 maintain a level of performance, to maintain a level of quality performance people need to be turned on yep. and the way they turn on is if they feel like they're challenged and that could be in the way that they develop themselves like i said we're going to spend a lot of time here teaching training people about what development really is and it is not just sitting in a class right that's just one option <laughs> um so that would be the second the third phase of the conversation or the third focus would be on feedback but it's going to be reciprocal feedback because managers need feedback as well. Mm-hmm. Managers No, they don't. Managers need the <laughs> no. same thing as the employees <laughs> because managers want to hit the right targets. They want their team to be successful. Mm-hmm. So it's more of that reciprocal feedback around what's working for you, what's not working for you in this relationship and what do you need? And that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad conversation. It may not be always easy. But, again, in the spirit of a conversation, it should be reciprocal. And then, finally, the fourth would obviously be rounding out the year. But the intention now is not to focus on the past, but think about and start the conversation for the future. So, ideally, what we would be doing is summarizing the year. Mm-hmm. Did you, do you feel like you accomplished something? What were your highlights? What, do you, what are you most proud of this year? Okay, moving forward, what needs to carry over to this coming year? And let's start talking about what's next. Right on. Um, and being more future-focused, not st- not so in the past. Okay. Not yeah. that we shouldn't visit it, but I don't think it, it, it needs to be a nice balance. Yeah. Colin, right. I saw you writing some things. You yeah, to- always uh, <laughs> taking notes and doodling. But Michelle hit on the best practice of the now and into the future right on the head. And cool. what we learned in doing a little bit of our own best practice research and you know, going through our own change process for the last four or five years. But the reason why is because we're being methodical. Yeah. We're engaging with stakeholders. We're being thoughtful in the change process because what we find out and knowing that 90% of companies are revising their performance management processes and systems, mm-hmm. a lot of them unplug one thing and expect when they plug something else in, it's going to fix all their problems. Yeah. Um, that is probably not the case. <laughs> Let me guess. Spoiler alert. That's not the case. It's not the case, yeah. right? So, you know, one of the things that we did learn, you know, we work with an organization called Gartner, formerly known as CEB. They work yep. with a lot of different types of companies and organizations on best practice and people strategy. Mm-hmm. What we learned from them is that in our current kind of cycle for performance goals, a little bit of a lull, you know, great managers are having the connections and the check-ins. But in terms of level setting, we're not necessarily there, working on it. Yep. Um, but if you add, oh, sorry, if you are looking just at that traditional model, goals and then performance reviews, mm-hmm. it only has about a 3% impact on someone's performance in a positive way. That's crazy. If you add, you know, from the traditional model, then you add what Michelle's talking about, these thematic check-ins in addition to checking in about your performance on a regular basis you can see up to about a 40 percent increase in someone's performance and it's not just necessarily like hey you're performing in a better way um but it's about proficiency it's Mm -hmm. about going above and beyond it's about the nature of how often that person's collaborating do they feel engaged in the workplace so then when you kind of take it and look at our own story what does au american university think about the value of time spent on formal versus informal feedback and all these things right 
95% of our managers see informal feedback as more valuable than our formal feedback process. 95% of managers. So it's like we still need to have some formal, serviceable, fair, balanced process. But it's taking that traditional model and incorporating that coaching strategy, which has conversations, feedback, and recognition built in throughout and really has a nice level setting throughout the entire system. Yeah, that is astounding to me, the increase in someone's performance just from incorporating some of those things. And those are no cost, like no external cost. There's a time sink mm-hmm. that's involved with, you know, having scheduling those conversations and then being consistent about them and being prepared to have them. But the cost benefit analysis is really a no brainer, it seems right. like. And the feedback we get is this is more. This is more. And for those who aren't doing it, yeah, there's going to be a learning curve. But for those that are saying, I'm already doing this. Why are you telling me I have to do this now? (laughs) Well, it's a validation of the good work. And for those that are on the learning curve toward being a coach and Mm -hmm. being a great manager in that way, it's as simple as saying within the context of those one-on-ones that you are already having with your staff or Schedule them. Have that time. There's a great yield on that. It's time well spent. It's as simple as saying, spend some time on the tasky stuff and then build in maybe 510 on the more developmental aspects. Mm -hmm. And just saying, hey, it was was already within our 30-minute time slot that we have. Um, And still, I think that there's going to be some growing pains with that, but we recognize that it's helpful in being people where they're at and wallowing in the frustrations together and then great (laughs) customer service strategy. Everybody's got smiles, you know? (laughs) And I think that the important thing here, too, is that this is transferable to pretty much any any service office, any – anyone delivering any service to an institution where – like these minor changes that a manager can make and incorporate can make a significant difference, uh, even in the absence of a university-wide initiative or an institution-wide initiative. You mentioned that you have looked at Gardner and identified some best practices. I've heard some of them. What are the other best practices in performance management? Basically, what Colin is referencing is it's creating a new habit of how we work with people. Mm -hmm. And what some of the other best practices also, and this is going to be new to us at American University, is more of the collaborative goals. Instead of being in our silos, in our own little boxes, we don't really work that way. Right. Um, and our work. A lot of institutions do yeah, not anymore. Yeah. So and, this is. And we need to find, in order for those things to be successful, we have to communicate and share those things and figure out where those intersections are because it's in our best interest for everybody's success. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. But it also requires a culture shift for people to let go of some things. And recognize there's there's a, um, a give and a take to that, mm-hmm. and how do we facilitate those conversations? So some of it starts with some just general transparency is another best practice, and that's where the goals, not necessarily on that individual um, level, but bigger, broader goals within departments, so you can start seeing that framework and that connection, and that they're in a place that's readily available. It's not a secret. Yeah. What's the secret? 
Um, because the other part of coaching, and, and I think why you'll see a blip when you start incorporating these best practices, why you see such a marginal difference, is because when you do that, you're saying you're taking the time to notice. Right. You're paying attention. It matters. And most of us want it to matter. And I think that's the big message is that you're taking the time to say it's important and it matters. Yeah, you know, Other best um, practices. Sure, there's a couple companies that use this method called OKR, um, objectives and key results, right? Okay. And it's like Google and your biggest Fortune 500s, uh, Facebook, mm. Twitter, Slack. Uh, so a productivity company doing productivity measures, right? And they set goals on a more regular basis. Um, so one of the things that we're starting to see pop up because we get that feedback that's like, well, my goal is actually a little bit more time sensitive. It's on the quarterly. But then yeah. we get other people who are like, I'm on a five-year plan for this goal, yeah, right? That's... <laughs> so the meeting in the middle in identifying the differential between this goal is my today goal <laughs> and this goal is my 10-year plan right. is that folks that are providing status updates to their teams and to their manager on a regular basis get more done. Keeping people in the loop, keeping people engaged. And yep. it's really about involvement that people feel part of the team. Do you think that there's a difference in the mindset, I used to work at IBM, and we had quarterly closes. Yeah, and so like th- there is a culture established in business that if it's not done by the quarter, it doesn't exist. Oh, it doesn't exist and, anymore. And so then you know you go from hero to zero the following day, like March thirty first. I'm a winner. Is there a thirty first in March? Sure. Yes. End of March. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, it's um, a great long month. It's yeah, gorgeous. It's yeah. Wonderful. And then April first, you're like you back. Reset the clock because right. you you literally are starting over. In higher ed, we we move a lot more slowly, mm-hmm. and um, it, in a lot of ways, we think about things in terms of the academic year, mm-hmm. where we don't have that same like stockholder needs to see results in three months kind of a. Uh, burn through and so how might we transition some of the annual goal setting to a more regularly spaced or regular intervals of goal setting without you know shifting the culture of higher ed i like working in higher ed it's a more relaxed culture than ibm was certainly um and so i i want to keep what's good about the culture in higher ed, but I also recognize that, like, if we're setting these goals on a more regular basis and either meeting them or revisiting them on a more regular basis, we will get more done just because that's the nature of it. So, how would you go about how are we going about doing that? So, you know, our approach, you know, has really been around personalization of strategy unit mm-hmm. by unit. Okay. And we know that there can be some tried and trusted, you know, aspects that are best practice, kind of technical and adaptive approaches that are helpful for any manager. But then we also have an NPR station on our campus. Right. And we have a facilities department. <laughs> And we have a medical center. Totally the same. And we have a school of international service. <laughs> and the list goes on. Yeah. So it's this idea that one size really can't fit all, yeah. but then one size will have to fit all in a certain case. Right. And one size can fit one. So we can have an individualized approach for a unit, specifically like WAMU, our NPR affiliate. They are a revenue-generating mm-hmm. organization. Yep. So yep. we could pilot that approach in a way that would make a little bit more sense with their alignment of strategy. But another unit might say, 
that doesn't that's make any me. sense to us. It's yeah. not me. So mm-hmm. I think that that's where we've been able to see some progress with our strategy overall with engaging folks around our change process saying things like this is really based on what recipe works for you. Yeah. So we're kind of building our cookbook. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they're going to go have to like actually yeah, make find the, the recipe and yeah, use yeah. the recipe. Right on. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a middle ground. Okay. I don't think it would make sense for us to just say full gear shift ahead. This is you what know, you're doing. This is now. what we're doing. Because yeah. um, we know it's not going to work for everybody. Right so I am let's let's have a hypothetical. I'm a manager and I'm listening to this and I think, wow, I'd like to see a 40% increase in my staff's performance. I have no idea where to start. How do I actually incorporate these practices in practical terms uh, into my regular day-to-day managerial role along with my other responsibilities? Practical example. Yeah, sure. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that Going back to CEB Gardner, and I'm using like that term flexibly because they just transitioned from CEB to Gardner this yeah. year. Their data about like what really is behind those drivers of performance to get you to that 40%, that shiny penny of, wow, I can see the 40% difference. Yeah. Oftentimes, folks might think it is recognizing uh, and a rewarding staff. They might think it is measuring performance results. It's actually, those are not the biggest indicators that huh. would drive someone's performance, but it's providing that informal feedback. Yeah. And to have that exchange and to have that partnership, it's clarifying expectations. That's like the secret anecdote to all of these problems. It's like, are we on the same page? How about how yeah. we're seeing the work needing to get done? Not yeah. so much about confusing process and outcome, but like, do we see the same outcome right. and are we on the same page about that and the third is helping to solve problems and that means a couple different things it's like for the manager to help solve problems or a little both. bit of both it's okay. like how are we seeing one another in this relationship about how we can solve the problems together you know so. yeah it's not top down it's a it's a it's a it's highly collaborative and in this new workforce when we're looking at 20 20 50 percent of the workforce being millennial who are highly collaborative it behooves us to really think differently about that because mm-hmm. um, that's where we're seeing the greatest shift. And it is. It's about, are you checking in with me, taking the time to notice, taking the time to ask questions, but are you also asking for my input? I have and it, I have experiences that you may not have, mm-hmm. um, especially for frontline because they're in the trenches dealing with people day in, day out. It's not saying that they necessarily want you to do what they're saying. They simply want the opportunity to share what they know and see where that can go, um, to be heard. And that's why we, when we talk about rewards and recognition, while that is important mm-hmm. and that's a key thing, to answer your question, where do you start, just start having conversations, having value-added conversations. It's an important distinction. Yeah, value-added <laughs> conversations about the work. And that's not simply saying don't just talk to your staff when things aren't going well. Mm-hmm. Talk to them and highlight what's going what. Ask them what they're doing well. What are what's what do they find exciting? What do they find challenging? Um, and what opportunities do they want? Um, the other part of this puzzle too, where they can start, is as a manager, start delegating some of your stuff. Meaning, sometimes this is where in performance you'll start see that uptick. Is that we're partners in this. So if I can't do something. Maybe someone on my staff can be me for this meeting or be me for this day. And that's also how we develop. 
that sometimes what they're really looking for is that opportunity to be visible and have a presence in an audience they maybe normally would not. Yeah, and that's interesting, too. EAB sent out an email today that was like, four words that'll save you six hours this week. And those four words were, can you help me? And like enabling your staff and empowering your staff to do things um, appropriately uh-huh. is a, a big deal for them uh, in some cases. Sometimes, they, sometimes they'll just... <laughs> but for, I have um, some real go-getters on my team, and they are hungry for those opportunities. Hey, can you represent the office at this meeting? Can you be the lead on this project? Like, And those are things that... Like typically, people look to me to do, and like, I I've done that. I I've doing other things, and so um, I want them to be able to do it, and I want to be able to give them those opportunities. So I think that's and that that would ca- that's part of that development. That's part of that workforce planning and succession planning and development. Is you got to test drive. Yeah. So I need practice. How can I be good at anything if I have no chance to practice? <laughs> Well, I had something else on the relationship piece. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this when Michelle was talking about kind of sort of starting with the relationship. It's that partnership. Mm-hmm. And some folks might be thinking, like, I've been managing the same people for 15 years. Now you're asking me to change the complete dynamics of our relationship. And I think it is step by step. It's it's not we're going to change everything overnight. It's not that you're going to come in with a new costume and everyone's going to treat you differently. But it really is starting about just that consciousness yeah. and what am I aware of? What are people's skills? What are my deficits? <laughs> what, what do I think about that? What do I see in that? And then really starting to go in and maintenance of any relationship that you truly care about. Right? What it sounds like you're saying is it sounds like you're saying that improvement starts with me mm-hmm. as a manager. And I have to do some work on what my expectations are and I have to be able to articulate my expectations. I need to recognize who my people are, uh, and I need to recognize the role that and the relationships that I have had with them historically, and then be intentional about addressing some of those things. Is that? Yeah, I think also mm-hmm. to kind of evoke like, what are your team's expectations? And if that hasn't been asked, it's going to feel like a diesel engine mm-hmm. for a little bit. But once there's a little bit of an iterative process, and you have you know open, be curious, and then close and move forward using a little bit of a strategy to kind of move forward and to understand it's it's a start you know you're not going to get everything done there but spending a little bit of time in those one-on-ones or in group conversations how is this going for us how are we experiencing this but then also how are we experiencing our relationship it doesn't have to be like you're in therapy but it can be what is the consciousness that we have about the work that we're doing right how do we want it to be better how do we want it to be easier for us to get things done and to exceed our expectations always in a goal yeah, so I think also it's like kind of modeling those behaviors. Like if you want mm-hmm. people to be exchanging the feedback, like show up to that. Yeah. And to bring yourself to say, this is kind of what I see in myself. Or I did a 360 evaluation recently, and these are the things that I learned, and this is what I want to work on. That vulnerability is really helpful. Well, you bring up a good point, too. You may be a manager, but you also have a manager. <laughs> Very right. true. So right, right. It's it's you're going to you're going to be in the position that your staff is in. So how do you model that? How do you work through that? And I think that's because, you know, those are opportunities to see both sides.
You're listening to For the Record, a Registrar's podcast sponsored by ACRO. I'm Michelle Frederick, and this is Episode 4, Performance Management in the Registrar's Office. Any closing thoughts? Any uh, any closing suggestions, uh, recommendations? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got some <laughs> forecasting Always. items for you. Um, one of the things that you asked kind of preparing was kind of what are the trends, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. in line with a lot of the things that we're talking about. Um, it's something that I was interested in finding is that well-being – being part of performance management, right? It's like we say this thing like we bring our full selves to work. It's like, well, what does that really mean? It's like if someone's having a bad day or a bad time, it's like, okay, how are we supporting someone through um, a really difficult time in their lives Mm -hmm. while still helping them to succeed in the workplace, right? So well-being as part of performance management might not have been something that uh, industry leaders like Deloitte were thinking about about 20 years ago, but now they're talking about that as well. Feedback is part of regular coaching, uh, performance management being meaningful and human. These types of things are really what is to come in the future of performance management, not just specific uh, to any you know, particular industry, but writ broad, kind of where this is going. It's aligning best practices and management yeah. with the overall strategy for performance and how we are seeing people thrive or the lack thereof, but then also kind of linking that into, well, how is the tap down invested? Oftentimes we have kind of the periphery of mm-hmm. the upper level and the front line that don't do performance, like particularly here at AU, it's like our part-timers and our cabinet. And then everybody else in between does it. And right. then these people are like, wait, what? <laughs> Where? <laughs> Both. <laughs> so it's thinking through how, does, how is everybody part yeah. of this and how is that visible and how is that shown? So um, those are some of the things to look out for. To iterate how much of what Colin said is basically that there is this shift now that it's more collaborative and in higher ed I think that's going to be a challenge because it's always been about I'm in this school you're in this school and very kind of separate and siloed I don't think that that was necessarily meant intentional to be a bad thing but we're finding that that's not productive because at the end of the day it's the university and the university's success is contingent on all of the parts mm-hmm. um, so I think you know more and more you're going to see more of this transparency and collaboration and understanding of accountabilities. Are there resources that people should be aware of that if they are interested in tracking down more information about performance management or if they want to read more, are there sites to go to? Are there books to pick up? Are there... There's volumes. In particular, any of the resources you can get from CEB Gartner are very good, again, because it's across industries. Um, As well as there's a book that we've also looked at called Beyond Performance, which talks about focusing on the conversations. Oftentimes we get so focused on the tool or the systems, and that's, that's, those are things to facilitate it. They are not it. Right. Um, So it's focusing, talking about those things. Another book that we find helpful, and this is Performance is part of engagement, which is a bigger context, a bigger conversation. But Bob Kelleher wrote a book called Louder Than Words, 10 Practical Engagement Steps That Drives Results. And one of the things he talks about is to drive performance is people need to feel part of something. And mm-hmm. they need to be included in the conversation and having those kind of conversations or having that environment where it is a conversation, not a judgment. Yeah you'll start to see that high performance start to to go up and maintain. 
Cool. Yeah, so there's a few books to be forecasting and getting excited about um, related to when we're looking at performance, oftentimes I think we have this very narrow viewpoint of like, I'm going to learn about some system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really what Michelle's talking about. It's like the broad swath of how we are engaging with one another. It's a great book coming out called The Making of a Manager, and I would caveat making of a leader. You know, I think that in this day and age, everyone is re- kind of almost nearly required to be that leader in the context of your role. Um, Her book is great because it answers the question, what to do when everyone is looking to you? Um, And it happens every day. So what to do in that situation to really step up? That book comes out in March. Um, Thinking about well-being and kind of that connection of mind, body, spirit within the context of when you're working every day. Stress less, accomplish more. Meditation for Extraordinary Performance comes out in mid-February. Uh, For some of our more macro thinkers who like Malcolm Gladwell, um, recommended um, this book called Relationomics. So excited about this one. (laughs) Business powered by relationships. And that's like the coming alive of everything that we've been prattling on about. (laughs) It's like why relationships are really the X factor to drive your business strategy. Um, and then the last one I'll share, and we can share our longer list of resources. Yes, please. Um, the Millennial Leader. And I'm going to also share that, yes, 37-year-olds are millennials, and we should be thinking about that in terms of the range and not so much, er, these whippersnappers and yeah. yada, yada, yada. And their avocado toast. <laughs> Which I love. Yeah. Because uh, it's delicious. It's delicious. That's why. It's fabulous. I'm not a millennial. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this book is called The Employee, uh, the Employee Experience Advantage. How to Win the War for Talent by Giving Employees Workspaces They Want, the Tools They Need, and a Culture They Can Celebrate. So we're not going to be able to give everybody standing decks and max, but at the same time, it's like maybe a flex work schedule will be good for you. Um, Maybe not a Mac, but maybe a high-powered PC that can do what you need to do, or two monitors, right? And the culture piece, I think, is crucial. You can read all of this and still work for an organization that doesn't have a bought-in culture. Yeah. And that, among everything, is is absolutely crucial, is that you have top-down, down-up, a workforce that is highly engaged and bought into where we are now and where we're going. Mm-hmm. And to really lean into, well, if we've got some problems with that, let's look at the data and help our narrative identify action steps to get more people broadly engaged. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Read all, read all you want, but you got to get people motivated. All right. So there you have it. I hope that you'll be able to incorporate some of these best practices into your day-to-day management of your team or your staff. Be brave. Sometimes talking about someone's performance can be intimidating or scary. Push past that. Be the leader and manager your team needs, your institution needs, and higher ed needs. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, tell a friend. I'm Doug McKenna, and I'll talk to you again next time on For the Record. For the Record!